Hello and welcome to an all new episode of Balls and Whistles, Highland News and Media podcast, looking at everything that's been going on in the world of sport this week in the Highlands. After last week's special episode previewing the season for Ross County and Callie Thistle, I'm back. I'm Andrew Henderson and I'm joined once again by sports editor Will Clark. Well, we've got quite a bit to talk about, but let's start you off with a very easy question. How are you doing? Oh, I'm very well. I spent the whole week in the Anderson shelter doing my bit to stem the spread of uh, coronavirus. And uh, yeah, I figured I did my part. Did you miss me? Well, I, I just went and found other friends while you weren't here. So, yeah, okay. I don't see them there. Yeah. Where are they? <laughs> Can't really call friends, can you, Andrew? Well, Andrew Young is in the wine of shuffle, and Kenny McLennan is probably somewhere around Dingwall waiting to get into a Ross County game. Big thanks to them again for coming on last week. But, Will, we're not even starting with football this time, because yesterday morning there was a huge bit of breaking news that we felt like deserved a little bit of a spotlight, deserved a bit of coverage. It is, of course, paracyclist Finn Graham. We've talked about him before on Balls and Whistles. His spot for the Tokyo Paralympics later this year has been confirmed. We've officially got a Paralympian in our patch. How great is that? How many times are you going to play that? <laughs> what is that song? Of course, it's the unofficial song of uh, the, the Paralympics. Isn't uh, it the theme to the last leg? It is that as well, yeah. Um, it's made famous, in the, well, it was already famous before that, public anyway, harder than you think. But it was used unofficially as the unofficial anthem for the 2012 Paralympics. And as you said, it's now the theme tune of the last leg. And of course, we've played it because... Finn Graham is going to the Paralympics in Tokyo. Absolutely delighted for the big man. It, it was always a question of when rather than if, because he was in great form before the selection process. Um, and he's got a great chance of coming back with a medal. Um, can't wait to see him compete in August now. And uh, hours after, well, less than an hour, then when it was confirmed, he was good enough to speak to me. And I think we've got that lined up uh, for the podcast today, don't we? Yeah, rather than us talking on and on about something that, let's face it, we probably don't know nearly as well as Finn does, we thought we'd just let him talk about it himself. Here is Will's chat with Finn Graham. I take it uh, you, you must have known the, the news um, quite a while before it was actually announced. When were you first told that you were going to Tokyo? Um, so we were, we were told on the 22nd of June. Um, so we've known, we have known for a few few weeks, which has been really hard to keep quiet because again, obviously, I kind of want to tell everyone. Um, but yeah, no, we've we we kind of found out a week or so after we came back from World Worlds in Portugal. Mm-hmm. And how hard was it to keep the news to yourself? Yeah, again, like the it, it was it was really difficult, um, and especially kind of like I told my mum and dad, but then it was like trying to keep them quiet was harder than me. You know? <laughs> like, obviously they're they're really happy for me and they want to tell everyone as well. So it was just trying to kind of make sure they didn't tell anyone. But yeah, no, again, it was it, it was hard, but it's nice now to finally be able to tell everyone. And this is a dream come true. Um, let's not understate it. This is something that you've been working for your entire cycling career. Yeah, no, definitely. Again, from from when I was really young, I've wanted to represent Team GB, um, and 
it's so good to kind of finally have that opportunity. Um, and I can't, again, can't wait to get out to Tokyo and, and get bike racing. I suppose everyone was always confident that you'd make it to Tokyo, given your form in the run-up to the Games, um, such as your success in the World Cup events. Um, were you always quietly confident that you'll be on, you were on your way to Japan? Um, to be fair, it's like we've got such a strong team here. You just, I, I never knew. Like, even on the day, I was kind of like, I had no idea. But to be fair, I think this year I'm in a lot better position than last year. I think the kind of year that we had with coronavirus almost did me a bit of a favour um, I was just able to use it as an, a year's extra training and just get get that little bit stronger and become that little bit more um, like you, you use it to my advantage really like although it was a hard year it was it was just good to get good to get training and not have the kind of distraction of racing around that and I think that's done me quite good it's amazing that because a lot of athletes are saying the same thing um, despite um, the coronavirus um, putting things on hold it's actually given them a chance to develop their technique and their yeah. strength and, and just their all round ability and that's something that you found as well it just gives you the opportunity to do that yeah yeah, no, definitely. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we know a lot about your story, but there's a lot of people that won't. Can you just give us a summary of how you got involved in cycling again? Would that be okay? Yeah, so basically, again, from from a really young age, we lived in the borders of Scotland, um, and we lived near uh, like a well-known mountain bike location of Glentress. Um And for, again, from a really young age, we'd, we'd go along with like as a family, like before before we could walk, we'd go in backpacks whilst one of our parents rode and it, every time we go, it kind of take turns. So like mum would ride one time and then dad. But then as we kind of begun to get a bit older, we then gradually kind of work on to like trikes and bikes and stabilizers and everything. And then obviously like the minute we could ride, ride bikes by ourselves, we were just kind of chomping at the bit to do it. And the fact that I had a brother as well kind of helped with just that competition. Like we, we were always trying to kind of outdo each other. Um, and kind of do the biggest jumps and kind of go the fastest downhill and everything. So I think that that just really helped with the development of the cycling. Um, but then kind of fast forward a little while, obviously, when I started the paracycling journey in 2016, the mountain biking wasn't an option to go down, so I had to switch to the road and velodrome. So it was kind of like learning two new disciplines, really. Like, it's just completely different to the mountain biking. But I was able to pick it up quite quickly. Um and then yeah, I've been doing been doing that since. And uh, when did you come to the attention of the the Great Britain uh, Paralympic team? Because you've been involved with the de- development squad for quite a few years now, haven't you? Yeah, so I was on I was on foundation squad for, with British Cycling from the beginning or the end of 2016 till the end of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of 2018, I became a full time rider living in Manchester. Um, with British Cycling, so I've been been full time rider now for two, two and a bit years. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you've gone on to become a world class para athlete, uh, winning medals uh, on the road and the track, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. No, again, it's kind of the it, it was really good. Um, I noticed a big increase in performance when I moved to Manchester, really, because. Like when I was living back home, um, the nearest velodrome was three and a half hours away in Glasgow, um, and the amount of time like taken to travel up and down from that kind of took away from the 
the performance aspect, so I was just not able to recover properly because I was traveling so much. Um, and then also I was working as well to kind of fund it all. Um, so I really noticed when I moved to Manchester that the kind of recovery bit managed to take a big kind of step forward, which really then benefited my cycling performance. Um, obviously, this is going to be the biggest moment of your career. But before that, what was the biggest um, achievement that you've achieved in paracycling so far? Um, I think, again, it was that... Um, that world's medal that I received in Portugal a few a few like a month or two ago because that that I think again definitely definitely helped my cause going going to Tokyo. Um but yeah, no, again I'm just like I'm enjoying every minute of it. Like I love I love bike racing. Um and when they get good results it just makes it even better. And at the Paralympics you're gonna be competing in the C three individual pursuit, the time trial and the road race. Um are you aiming for medals in all three or is there one specific event that you think, yeah, this is for me? Again, it's just kind of it's my first game, so I'm again I'm not putting any kind of pressure on myself. Um I'm just going to going to do the best job I can and hopefully represent Team GB the best the best of my abilities. Um, and yeah, if if I can get medals, then I'll be I'll be over the moon. Um, um, but yeah, just to, just to be selected, it's kind of such a big big target. But again, now now it's kind of now that I've been selected, that's ticked off. So now it's just kind of the hard work continues to try try get the best results possible whilst I'm out there. What's your favourite road or track cycling? Um, when the weather's good, road. Because <laughs> <laughs> again, yeah, it's just it's just nice getting outside. Like, um, whereas the velodrome again, it gets a bit like just because you're inside all the time, it just gets a bit kind of like claustrophobic at times because there's no real like change of scenery. Mm-hmm. Um, I do enjoy the velodrome, like. But yeah, no. Like when the weather's when the weather's nice, you can't be kind of just getting out for a few hours on the road bike. And hey, have you cycled in Japan before, or will it be a completely new experience? And have you been told what to expect? Yeah, it'll be a completely new experience. And again, especially with the coronavirus stuff still going on, it is like it's a bit. Um, it's still a bit of an unknown for everyone. Like we don't really know what to expect 100. Um, percent so like we've got to we've been told we need to arrive like seven days before the racing that's the earliest we can arrive and then we need to have left by 48 hours after our last race so we've not really got much we've not really got any time in tokyo afterwards mm-hmm. um and then again we're not sure yet whether actually we'll be able to go out and train on the roads whilst we're in tokyo or whether it'll just be kind of on turbo trainers in our hotel rooms and everything um so again it's all just a learning experience for the whole squad really because no one's kind of done done this before with the current situation. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've never been to Japan before either. So again, just seeing a new culture and everything, I'm just really looking forward to the whole experience. Have you competed in empty velodromes or empty streets before? Um, is it something yeah. that you might be used to, um, yeah, given to be, the situation? Yeah, to be fair, most paracycling races have empty velodromes. Right, okay. Uh, <laughs> the... But yeah, like the again, the kind of media coverage it'll be it'll be quality because we'll still obviously have like all the TV TV stuff going on, um, and I'm sure the kind of following back in the UK will be will be good. So it'll feel like it'll feel like they're there. But yeah, just just with an empty velodrome. So be again, be being the first games, it kind of I feel like it might be a bit in my favour because I don't know 
like what a full stadium is like at a games. So it'll just be I'll be able to go in and not kind of be a bit overwhelmed by the situation. I think so. I think it might kind of um, help me in that sense. But yeah, no, it, it is a shame that like people from this country aren't able to come out and watch. But yeah, um, they'll all be watching on TV hopefully. So. That's the one thing. Channel 4's um, coverage of the Paralympic Games is absolutely outstanding, and oh, yeah. and they're doing it again. So yeah. you're, you're pretty much going to be um, delivered to a new platform, watching you like like never before. Is that something yeah. that's in your mind, and it's something that you're relishing? Just yeah, no. Again, it's just it's so exciting. Just kind of with Channel 4 putting so much like effort into the whole Paralympics. Like there was a video they put up on their Twitter yesterday as a kind of advert for the Paralympics, and again, it's. It's such a good kind of advert showcasing showcasing the games um, with just all the all the best athletes, and it'll be like it's it's so cool to now kind of say that I am I am one of them. Excellent, and as well as on Channel Four, you're also on Balls and Whistles, which is uh, yeah, must yeah. be quite good. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <definitely>. <laughs> Excellent. Listen, Finn, uh, there's been so much reaction to you, you being selected for the Paralympic squad. Um, a lot of people really proud of you in the Highlands. So congratulations. Yeah, and, no, I uh, appreciate that. And again, yeah, thank you. To, like, I'm, my phone's melting today. Like, it's kind of so nice to see all the messages that I'm getting from everyone and the support. Kind of. Again, it's been it's been mad since since I started the whole kind of paracycling stuff. It's been been quality the whole the whole support that I've had from everyone. How many missed phone calls have you had this morning? <laughs> yeah, quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, I appreciate you giving us a phone back. Listen, Finn, yeah, congratulations. No uh, okay, very very best of luck in Tokyo. And uh, we'll give you a shout once you win a medal, yeah? <laughs> Mega cool. Thank you very much. You're a gentleman. Cheers. Thank you. See you later. He is a really nice lad, isn't he? Well-deserved. And just congratulations again to Finn for getting into the Paralympic squad. I can't wait to see how he gets on in Tokyo. Just going to be great. I mean, just We talk a lot about the Commonwealth Games, the Olympics, but to have it confirmed, it's phenomenal achievement. You know, he said to, he's, he doesn't want to put any pressure on himself, but um, he's one of the, the leading paracyclists in the world. He's got a great chance to win a medal. Um, he won bronze in Portugal at the World Championships and he's won gold at World Cup events too. So he's in it to win it. And uh, I wish him all the best because he's such a great guy. Um, he's worked for years to get to this stage. You know, he relocated from Strathpeffer to Manchester to realise his dream. And now he's going to realise his dream. So best of luck to Finn in Japan. It's awesome. I'm, I'm guessing he's been buzzing ever since, even still now, whenever you're listening to this, he's probably still going to be buzzing about it. Well, there's also plenty of football. We usually start off with football, but we felt like Finn deserved that spot at the top of the show. Rightfully so, I think. Um, but let's get into some of it now then. The Premier Sports Cup has officially begun. Where do you want to go first? There's Cali Thistle, there's Brewer Rangers and there's Ross County. Which one do you want to touch on first? Six and a half, it doesn't hit <laughs> Let, let's start with Cali for then, um, because they got off to a winning start. A 2 0 win at Peterhead, which you were at as a diehard Fraserburgh fan. I'm sure you gloated in Peterhead's misery. What, what were Cali Thistle like? Cali Thistle were impressive, I think would be the word I'd use. At the very start, it still to an extent felt a bit like a pre season game just because it was first competitive game of the season for Cali Thistle. They still looked a little bit rusty. Passes weren't quite reaching their man. 
I saw a few things like Shane Sutherland I thought was making a few really, really good runs early on, but the ball just wasn't going to him. They weren't quite spotting the run. That will come with time. They created loads of chances in that first half and a couple of them they were just inches away from actually finding the net. Aaron Doran hit the post in the first half. Sean Welsh really should have scored with a header. I'm still not entirely sure how he didn't put it in the back of the net. Aaron Doran again was inches away from connecting with another cross in the middle. That would have been an easy tap and Manny Duku looked really good, I thought. Um, he looks to have the same sort of physical strength that we've seen Jordan White have and Nikolai Todorov have, but he looks a bit more mobile as well. He's going to be able to bring a lot more to the front line for Cali as a target man, I think, based on what I saw on Tuesday. And of course, he got a goal right after half time. It's a really, really good finish to beat the Peterhead keeper at the near post. And then Aaron Dorn, what a finish. I don't know if you've seen it, Will, but a 25-yard screamer right into the top corner to seal the points for Inverness. Look, it was the perfect way from the start off. It wasn't quite the perfect performance, but there's a lot of really, really encouraging stuff there. And you'd expect it to only get better as the games keep coming, as the season goes on and players get a bit sharper. They were also missing a handful of guys, it has to be said. You know, Robbie Dees wasn't in the squad. Billy Mackay wasn't in the squad. Anthony McDonald's still not back from injury yet, among one or two others. There's a lot of reasons to be happy if you're a Cali Thistle fan based on Tuesday's performance. Yeah, it was great to see Aaron Doran. I did see his strike, by the way. What a belter that was. And um, it, was good, it was good to see him back in action because he was missing for most of uh, well, towards the end of last season, I guess. Um no, no, I think he was struggling with injury. He did get a few games towards the end. But um, I felt like because he, he didn't feature that much because of his injury, he might have a point to prove and to get back into the first team. But um, maybe I was a fool for thinking that because uh, we all know the quality Aaron Doran has and what a, what a weapon he can be, especially from long range as well as midfield too. So it'd be good, to, it'd be great to see him back uh, in the starting lineup again and taking his place in midfield. Uh, maybe more of an attacking midfielder than maybe central, because you, you look at it and you've got Welsh, you've got Allardyce now. So maybe Doran will be more attack minded. Would that be fair to say? Maybe more defensive in the past. Yeah, well, I think he usually has ended up out wide, and it just depends on how Cali Thistle have played and how far up the pitch he is. On Tuesday, he was playing wide left as part of it was kind of a three behind a one, but Sutherland was so far up the pitch and Calithus had so much of the ball. It was essentially a 44 at times as well, really. Um, but that is just Doran's ideal role. Attacking left midfield, cutting inside on his stronger right foot. Like I say, it's got the quality. Like that's never been in doubt to finish from that sort of range. And yet he was so sharp. I mean I I say Cali Thistle looked a little bit rusty early on against Peterhead, but even from the first minute, he was one of the ones that clearly looked at it. There was him, there was Tom Walsh. Sutherland, I think, was the other one that was doing a lot of stuff that I thought was really good. But Doran said himself, I spoke to him after the match, he was never really fit last season. He got injured in the second day of preseason, never felt like he properly got up to speed. And like you'd say, that showed in his performances and just not getting picked half the time last season. Billy Dodd said in his press conference yesterday ahead of the game against Sterling this weekend, a fit Aaron Doran like that is like a new signing to Cali Thistle. And if they can get him firing on 100% form, he's a match winner in the championship. Like I say, that's never been in doubt, but it's not something we've seen that much of in the last year or two. So, like I say, so many encouraging signs. And Doran's one probably is the highlight 
I mean, he could be a huge, huge player for this Inverness team in the championship. Yeah, can you imagine him playing central attacking midfield if it's a 4-2-3-1 that they've gone with in the past and uh, with Medge on the left taking maybe the role of Miles Story because um, that, that's where he played most of the time Ross, Ross County in recent seasons on the left. So yeah, it's great to see. Um, but I mean, that's, that's the one feature about Cali Fissel this season, maybe a bit of a dad's army quality into maybe a, a few more older players. Uh, than they're previously used to, but that may be, you know, Billy McKay in his 30s, he's going to come back in, Midgen in his 30s, Doran, um, I don't remember how old he is actually, but he's got to be towards that sort of uh, age bracket anyway. I think um, he's 30. I think 30. he's just the other side now, yeah. Oh, well, that's, you know, it's, he's hitting his peak, so. But yeah, that, that's the thing, there's definitely a more older quality to, to Cali Fissel than previous years, but you know, with that might come experience, so it could do them good. But it's great to see them get off to a good start in the, the group stages because it hasn't always been the case with Cali Fissel. I remember two seasons ago, they went to Peterhead and got beaten penalties in an epic shootout. I think it was 11-10, and it was the two goalkeepers that decided it. Mark Bridgers uh, missed his and the Peterhead goalkeeper. At the time, uh, he scored the winner. So good start, three points, can't complain, and you'd have to fancy them against Sterling Albion. Yeah, their slow starts have come up a couple of times already in press conferences, and Billy Dodd seems slightly exasperated, dare I say, by being reminded of that. He just wants to look forward and look ahead to what Cali Thistle can do this season instead of looking at years gone by. But the record isn't great. You know, I was having a look, and I think it's five years since they made it out of the group stage, which was the first time there was a group stage. They've only ever done it the one time. Granted, a couple of years ago, you know, there's that controversy with Hearts and Cali Thistle should have made it through, but it didn't quite happen for them for whatever reason, or whatever you made of that decision not to dock Hearts three points instead of two. I think they've got a great chance this year, though. But this, I remember the Hearts game. How many goals were they allowed to let in and they still conceded more? They lost 5-0. Was it four they could have got away with? Yeah, I think so. A 4-0 defeat or something like that? Oh, I was uh, kicking a pants that day. Uh, but I, I think they'll put up more of a fight against Hearts again this time, because of course they've been drawn in the same group as Hearts. That always happened. And you know what? I wouldn't put it past them sneaking a point, because the tempo was so much better. There was more, far more intensity in their play than there has been the last couple of years. I don't know if that's just a new man in charge, start of a new season, fans being back in, because that, I think, played quite a big role as well. But it just seemed to click for Cali. And if they do go on and get better from here... I don't know. Hearts were impressive last season, but so early in the year, I wouldn't put it past Cali getting a result against them either. Oh, I hope not anyway. Um, but it's, it's good to hear from you that uh, Billy Dawes has kind of followed on from Neil McCann's sort of attacking style. So long it may, it may continue. There might be one or two more signings coming in. You never know. I think I read that Billy Dawes was maybe looking for another striker. Was that right? Yeah, he said it in the press last week, but obviously with us doing the, the season previews, um, I didn't really get a chance to go into and discuss it much. He's still looking for one more striker, if possible, to add a bit more pace. It remains to be seen whether the budget is there for that, if they do come across the right sort of player. If they don't get that in, Dodd says he's quite happy with what he does have at his disposal already. There's still plenty of time in the transfer window. Anything can happen, but ideally he is looking for one more attacking option. Jiggy's content with defensively as well. It looks like it now after bringing in Kirk Broadfoot last week and he made his debut on, it wasn't even last week, the start of this week, wasn't it? He signed on Monday, played on Tuesday, made his debut against Peter Heads 
And there again, Dodds yesterday in press conference said that Cali Thistle were lucky to have gotten him. He had plenty of other options. And yes, people will look at it like they're signing a 36-year-old who might be past his prime and maybe not good enough for the top level anymore. But what he will bring to this side is something they don't already have. And he's going to be that mentor to younger guys like Robbie Dees, like even Cameron Harper, even though I know he's not a centre-half. Wallace Duffy as well. All these guys are going to be able to learn from him. I don't see many more additions. I think it'll be maybe a striker, and that's probably about it for Cali Thistle this season. I, mean, I think there was five guys that weren't in the squad on Tuesday night, and they weren't short of substitutes. So numbers aren't really an issue. It's just the right type of player at this stage. Jake, with Kirk Broadfoot coming in, and he'll play in the centre-back, that'll mean Robbie Dees is now permanently left-back. Because let's face it, when Neil McCann in charge, Robbie Dees was his left-back a choice, even when Cammy Harper came back for it. You've made that suggestion before, and I do wonder how much of that was just down to injury because Harper got injured that, I think it was the first game or two that McCann came in, and then once they started winning, you don't change a winning team. So maybe that has something to do with it. I, I personally am a huge fan of Harper. I think he offers so much to the Cali Thistle team going forward, just as much as he does defensively. For me... I feel like I'm going to be really harsh on one or two names now. The ideal lineup for Cali Thistle at the back this season is probably Harper and Carson at fullbacks and then Dees and Broadfoot in the centre. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's been really harsh on Danny Devine because I don't think he's really done anything wrong. But he is a fantastic backup to have if that is the back four they're going to go with. I mean, people could disagree with me there and I wouldn't really be able to argue with them that much. But that, personally, I think is what I would go for. I, I reckon Dodds might go um, Divine and Broadfoot centre-back and keep Dees at left-back. I think he'll just follow McCann's suits regarding that area, but it remains to be seen. It'll be interesting to see in the first few weeks. That's the thing. Robbo was keen on bringing youth through, but I've just noticed with Dodds' signings, um, you've got uh, Michael Gardine, you've got Billy McKay, you've got Kirk Broadfoot. He might favour experience over youth. So that's the question is going to be asked in the next few weeks. What kind of lineup is he going to roll with? But the thing is, you look at what that Cali Thistle squad needed at the end of last season. They already had plenty of youth. What they needed was a few more guys to be a bit more streetwise and get them over the line in tough games. And that's what he's done with bringing in the experience. You look at Tuesday night, Di Devine was on the bench and it was Ryan Fife that was at centre-back alongside Kirk Broadfoot. So I don't think he's going to be scared of giving young guys the chance either. He just needs to strike that right balance. And now he's got options at either side of the spectrum that's going to allow him to do that. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. I might be far too positive here. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 I think they'll be delighted to hear your positivity. <laughs> just Billy Dodge's signings, just a bit of a change of philosophy in Cali Fissel's outlook, that's all. Could be the right thing, you know. But uh, that'll be, well, we'll see that in the next few weeks. Yeah, and it's got a big couple of games coming up for Cali Thistle in the Cup. But, well, you were in Dundee on Tuesday night to see what happened with Brewer Rangers. It didn't quite go their way, but what did you make of them? Because it'll be the first time you'd have seen them in action, I guess, since the playoff semi final, right? Yeah. Um, they, they were uh, only took 14 players, unfortunately. Um, they were missing a, 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 quite a few personnel. And 14 players, that included a goalkeeper. So they didn't have really that much uh, options to change outfield. Dundee were always heavy favourites to win. So um, 4-0 was just about right. It's Stephen Mackay, to be fair, had no complaints uh, with the scoreline afterwards. Um, 
Dundee look, really looked like a Premiership team, uh, I've got to say. Charlie Arden looked great as well, uh, as well as uh, Paul McMillan and Paul McGowan. They looked great up front. You've been very critical of Dundee in the past. <laughs> I have been critical of Dundee in the past. And maybe, you know, uh, Bruin are still a Highland League team. They're a part-time team. They put a Garant beating goal because Joe Mallon, who, uh, who's very highly rated by a lot of teams in Scotland, he had a back spasm. So Steve Mackay was saying the night before they were struggling to find a goalkeeper and uh, Grant came in in between the posts and did a good job. Didn't have much chance preventing any of the goals, to be honest. Uh, he was substituted with five minutes to go as well, and uh, Jamie Stephen came on for a wee shot. But, um, you know, but uh, Brewer Rangers were under no illusions. They were they had no designs of winning the, the League Cup. I'm calling it the League Cup. I'm not calling it the Premier Sports Cup. Yeah, but Stephen Mackay, he, he's now looking forward to the Highland League uh, and just preparing to try and win the division. And because uh, their main aim is to go into League Two, they were really hurt that uh, they were beaten the way they were by Kelty Hearts. Everyone expected it to be a close contest, but it was it was one way in the end. And that's all Steve Mackay. And to be fair, the players are caring about now. It's the Highland League for them. But they're going to enjoy their final two games against Forfar, and especially when Broda welcome Ross County on Wednesday night. Uh, we Highland Derby with the fans in. Is it is it 2,000 people now? Or is it still a thousand? It, it will be by then. It's 2,000 people in level zero, which I believe is from Monday, isn't it? That's right. Aye. So uh, 2,000 fans. Uh, hopefully it'll be a great occasion and a good money spinner, uh, which will be good for the club as well. Because that was the thing about last season. For all the big games they played against Hibs and Dundee in the League Cup. And then, you know, the biggest game of the lot when they beat Hearts 2-1, you know, they missed out on the, the gates even though they got some good prize money, but they'll be able to get both this time. So, you know, it was a sore one on Tuesday night, but, you know, it's not the be-all or end-all for them. They were very pragmatic about it. Yeah, and I think it could be quite good preparation for the Highland League season that they're facing these higher league teams. You know, even if they don't pick up a point in the group stage, it's still setting that bar high, and that's exactly where Brewer are going to want it to be for the rest of the season. So... Hopefully it goes well for them at least in a few weeks' time, if not the next couple of games. Yeah, because they've had no preseason games because of COVID. It cancelled uh, some of their matches. You know, even though uh, you know a trip away to Orkney, they had to cancel it. They were, they were supposed to play Cali Thistle, and that was cancelled because of the COVID. So basically, the League Cup is their uh, preseason. The big result for them will be when they kick off the season at Devon Vale on July the twenty fourth, and uh, they'll look to kick off from there. Well, Brora have got a match against Forfar tomorrow, but well, you mentioned matches being cancelled because of COVID. I think we have to then talk about Ross County, don't we? Forfar, the beneficiaries last weekend of uh, a spate of positive COVID tests in Dingwall. County had to forfeit the game to Forfar. Forfar then ended up with a 3-0 win. County are yet to play their first game because they were due to be free anyway midweek. They kick off against Dundee on Sunday, which... Would have been the big match of the group, but it takes on all the more significance now that technically they've lost a match already. Must win as well. Nobody's going to qualify with six points, are they? No. Nope. They've won all three matches now, including Dundee, which they're capable of. You know, they're still the top seeds. Uh, Dundee were very impressive on Tuesday night. Uh, Paul McMullen, uh, like I mentioned, uh, he scored twice, and Paul McGowan, they like dumped very well. But, um, 
all, all respect to Brora, Ross County are, are a higher standard of team, although they're a premiership team. But it looks like they're not going to be at full strength either, from what I've read from your article. They're going to be missing a few players. And they've not made that many signings either. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see uh, who they actually field on Sunday afternoon. But um, there's still quality in that Ross County team. It'll be a very good match. But Dundee looked good. Got him out. Yeah, since the last time we spoke about it, well, I believe Ross County have signed Jake Vokins, the left-back on loan from Southampton, and Alexander Robertson, a centre midfielder on loan from Man City. That being said, Harry Payton's currently away on Gold Cup duty with Canada. Regan Charles-Cook is currently away on Gold Cup duty with Granada. As you say, the COVID situation hasn't really gone away. Players are now available again, but... That doesn't mean they've been training that much, if at all, for the last two weeks. Marky Mackay said, talking to the press yesterday, that they've kind of had the full range of symptoms in the last week with players and other members of staff as well. Some guys have not really noticed a thing, have been totally asymptomatic. Others have been totally bedridden and haven't been able to do anything. So if those are the ones that they're now relying on, I don't know who they are, so I'm not going to cast any aspersions, but if those are the ones they're now relying on to face Dundee, even if they've gotten over that and can train and play again, they're not going to be at 100%, are they? There's, there's no chance that County are going to be fully fit, even if they do have 15, 16 players available. Yeah, they're definitely going to be the walking wounded, aren't they? But it's a must-win now. They'll lose against Dundee uh, on Sunday. The- out basically, it's a winner bust every game from now on. You know, even a draw, even if it was like seven points, eight points, it might be enough, but they'd need a lot of other results to go their way. Yeah, Nine yeah. is even borderline to get through as a best runner up, so really, they need to win all three and, and hope yeah. that other results go their way. I've seen teams go through on eight points, but um, it's a bit of a gamble. So, but so it's it, three wins from three. We've not seen Ross County in action. Well, you've seen Ross County in action, albeit in a friendly. But friendlies, what can you actually take from them, to be fair? You know, it's a completely different sport when it comes to a competitive match. Yeah, I wouldn't read much into results or goal tallies or anything like that. But I think it's interesting to see from a reporter's point of view, obviously from a player's point of view, they're building up fitness. But from off the pitch, I think it's interesting to see what teams are trying to do, right? How they're going to line up, what systems they're trying to use and all that sort of thing. And I was really impressed by Ross County's application against Elgin. You know, obviously they won 5-0. There's a great strike at the end from Matthew Wright, even sort of disregarding the goals themselves. I thought Ross Calkin looked like he settled straight into this Ross County team and he's going to pick up right where he left off at Hamilton last season. I thought they were moving the ball about a lot more quickly and, and trying to be a bit more direct, really. It wasn't just hoofing it up the park they were trying to actually play balls and, and play guys in my thing with that is that when Stuart Kettlewell's Ross County side was on top form I thought they were so easy on the eye and played some really really nice football yeah, they lost when they were on top form so some of the games they won you know they were going past people passing it around corners granted we didn't see much of that last season but on the rare occasions we did I thought they were a really really good team to watch so I'm not sure how much of what we saw against Elgin is just that the confidence is back, that it's a fresh start, they're not in this massive run of games without winning, how much of that is the new manager bounce with Malky Mackay coming in, if there actually is much of a change tactically there. 
I would read a lot less into Ross County beating Elgin 5-0 than I would Cali Thistle beating Peterhead 2-0, but I'd still say there were some encouraging signs for Ross County if the guys are fit, if they have the numbers for that. I think Alexander Robertson on paper looks like a coup, frankly, for Ross County. I know he hasn't played for the Man City first team, but reading so much about him, he's so highly rated by pretty much everyone. He could have a huge role to play coming really from nowhere. Jake Vokins has played Premier League football for Southampton. You know, he's a good quality player to be bringing in in a position where they don't have a huge amount of depth either. So they're doing the right things. It's just a case of how many bodies they can actually get on the park who are fit enough to play 90 minutes right now. I mean, I hope uh, Alexander Robertson's a, a good signing because he's coming with a big pedigree coming from Man City. I just hope he's not a Leo Hielde, who I wasn't impressed with at all uh, last season at all. Um, but maybe that was because he was only 17. Um, maybe he just wasn't experienced enough. But uh, I haven't had a chance to see Ross County this season, so I'm a bit flying blind myself. But it'll be a tough ask for them if they don't have their preferred first 11 against Dundee because Dundee did look good. So, a bit tough one, but uh, it's a must win. It's definitely going to be an interesting few weeks, really, not even a few days. I'm going to be in Dingwall on Sunday to watch Ross County face Dundee. Will is going to be watching Cali Thistle tomorrow afternoon against Sterling Albion. But, well, last weekend you also managed to make it to a couple of games, and it's teams that we don't often talk too much about on Balls and Whistles. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you found down in even below the Highland League? Yeah, I started off uh, in sunny Nairn. Uh, no, not Nairn County. Uh, I was at uh, Nairn St Ninian, the North Junior Super League uh, outfit, the only North Junior Super League team to come from the Highlands. And uh, we've reported on them a lot, but we don't really, well, I've never actually seen them play a competitive match. I've seen them play a friendly. I was, they actually beat Clacknacudden uh, 1-0 a few years ago. But... Uh, I was there on Saturday. They they played Forest uh, Mechanics as they uh, they got beat four one. But it's a friendly again. Uh, it's just a chance to get energy in our legs because they actually start their season tomorrow against uh, Aberdeen East End in the North Junior Super League. Keith Mason is uh, hopefully uh, hopeful that uh, they can have a successful season. They have lost their top scorer Adam McLeod who has got quite a lucrative deal to Bucky Fissel, a two-year deal. But um, Nerds saw his departure as a massive compliment to what players in the junior level can do, uh, that uh, such Highland heavyweights as Bucky Fissel um, do pay attention and uh, look to sign their players. Um, Nerds hope to become a Highland League club themselves one day. A long way off that yet, uh, Quite a bit away from that, I suppose, but they have made improvements to their dressing rooms and uh, their boardroom as well. Uh, I was given a tour by a loyal listener, James Wallace. Hello, James. The boardroom looks fantastic. It's not finished yet, but um, somebody started doing the whiskey. I've noticed that. Priorities. Uh, when I noticed that, the half a bottle was going. Somebody's helped help themselves to a few optic measures. But uh, they're a club with a lot of ambition. The last full season they had, they finished fourth in the North Junior Super League. So they're definitely among the contenders. However, with uh, the North Junior Super League becoming tier six, there's a chance a club could be promoted to the Highland League this season. Banks of D would be the obvious favourites, but you've got other junior clubs that have all of a sudden found a lot of money, like uh, Dice Juniors, who are very keen, as well as Bridget Don Thistle. 
So that's going to be interesting to see. But near and they'll be they'll be hoping for a successful season. And uh, on Sunday, went to a women's game. Went to see Clark the Cudden play Kirkwall City at Grand Street Park. They eked out a victory by 16 goals to nil. Scored six goals within 11 minutes. Uh, Betty Ross scored a hat trick in the first eight minutes. You know, fair play to Kirkwall City. Their heads didn't go down, but Clark the Cudden are a very well set up team who will be fancying their chances of a league and cup double. And uh, they're off to Bucky on Sunday. Both teams have 100% records, so that's on the line. So best of luck to them. I hope I'm not mixing up the island teams, but Kirkwall City are the ones who've just joined this year, aren't they? No. No, oh, I am mixing them up. Okay. Orkney are the team that's joined this year. They suffered a 23-0 defeat to Cali Fizzle Development in the opening day of the season. So... And then they lost 2-0 a few weeks ago to Nairn St. Ninian, so things improved a wee bit. But uh, no, it's just good to have uh, women's football back, uh, especially during the summer. I think it's the right time to be played because it gives them a platform to showcase what they are. I mean, no disrespect by that, but I believe if the women's game playing in the winter, they do have to compete with men's football. Uh, not Well, not men's football, but like the Premiership, the Championship, the Highland League, which have all these fan bases. By playing it in the summer, they've got a chance to reach out to a new audience. So it's great the Highlands and Islands League is back in the summer, which is not the case for all women's football. I think a lot of that's going to be played in the winter. I really hope they can find a way to bring that back into the summer as well, because you know women's football really did shine uh, before the pandemic. You know, you even saw it with the Scotland national team. You know, I, I, I believe that was a factor as well. And I think Cali Fissel are playing their final friendly before the new season starts in August? Uh, yes, the fixture list has actually just been released for the Championship North season. It is the, it's the 14th or 15th, I can't remember what one's the Sunday of August, Cali Thistle Women kick off their league campaign. But like you say, they are away at Grampian this Sunday in their final friendly. Yeah, just to kind of pick up on your point there about summer football, well, I think for SWPL championship tiers and everything, I believe that is the plan for them to go back to summer football. It's only because of the pandemic they switched to winter football, but it's not just the audiences. You know, it's not just the fans that can benefit from that. The teams themselves don't have to compete for facilities with the Highland League clubs, with the professional clubs. It makes such a big difference for them to be able to play over the summer that it's a no-brainer. It really is. And I think, you know, from my conversations with Cali Thistle's women's team, at least, they want that. You know, they're much happier playing in the summer. So I'm, I'm sure that will happen in the next year or two once everything settles down and gets a bit more back to normal. Well, that's, that's another point because there are women's clubs that are associated with the men's clubs um, in the Premiership and the Championship and other leagues all over Scotland, but they don't play in the same stadium at times, um, which can be a disadvantage. That's the great thing about Clark and Cudden. It's not an issue for them. They said, yeah, both the men's and the women's team play in the same pitch. Uh, different times of the year but you're right if they're playing at the same times of the year then it becomes a really big problem clubs have to go to school pitches basically artificial pitches they don't get the chance to play on grass which i think most clubs would like so that that's my argument why you know women's football would benefit all women's football in scotland would benefit from going back to summer and there again credit to cali thistle on that front because the women's team were due to play at the caledonian stadium before their season got completely shelved so that was going to be the case with them and hopefully it will be again next season uh, there was a little bit of a, an issue over the summer just as the pitch got relayed and all the work was done to it in the men's off season but 
hopefully that's going to come back and be a thing again in the future. We'll be keeping an eye out for that, obviously. We'll be covering all the latest developments in women's football, just like we do men's football. Well, there was also a, another woman who did particularly well last weekend that you were able to talk to, Stroma Fraser in the athletics. The Inverness Harrier won gold in the heptathlon at the under-17 Scottish Championship. We're talking about Finn Graham's achievement earlier on and how well some of the footballers are doing, but what an outstanding achievement for her and club records and personal best to beat. Yeah, I think the club record stood at 27 years and she broke the heptathlon record and won it in the final race in the 800 metres, um, which uh, wasn't her strongest event. She's more of a hurdler and a long jumper, but she had enough about her to beat the person that she needed to beat. So that's another national champion Inverness Harriers have produced. Another one for Fort Rose Academy as well. What is it in the water in that school? I know, that school, um, fantastic. Look at school and the athletes they've produced, Kirsty Law, uh, the discus thrower, the squash lads, uh, Alan Klein and Greg Lobin, uh, Jade Conkle, the rugby player. Alan Sinclair, the rower, did he go to Fort Rose Academy too? I think so. I think he did. I know there's a couple of Cali Thistle women's football players who are from Fort Rose Academy as well, actually still there as well as Stroma. So it's still, you know, the conveyor belt of talent is still going on, still coming through. Yeah, that's, that's the word I was going to use, conveyor belt of talent. It just coming through. But yeah, congratulations to her. And uh, she's preparing for the national championships next month. Uh, she's going to be uh, running and doing a long jump. So best of luck to her. I found it quite interesting in your piece with Stroma this week, Will, that she's kind of waiting a little while before deciding to specialise. I wondered if she would just keep going as a heptathlete, but she is intending on, on picking one or two to really yeah. focus on in the future, isn't she? Yes, uh, she's going to get to the point uh, eventually where she's going to decide what she wants to do individually. So best of luck to her. Absolutely. And congratulations again from everyone at Balls and Whistles and, of course, all the papers we work on to Stroma. Well, I think I've been talking long enough. Is there anything else you want to add that's caught your eye this week before I wrap things up? I think we've covered most of it, to be honest. I was going to mention about Stroma and how well she did, but... um, We'll go back to football and wish Broader Rangers and Sutherland Women's Football Club the very best in the first ever Sutherland Derby in the Highlands and Islands League. Got a chance to speak to Mary Stewart from Broader Rangers for the first time. And it was good to catch up with Nadine McCulloch and Siobhan Macbeth from Sutherland Football Club. The great thing about this derby is the players basically know each other. There's no surprises Sutherland are a brand new football club. Uh, a lot of their players used to play for Brewer Rangers, so there's no surprises there. And it should be a great great occasion for a, what's a remote county that uh, so many players are going to come together. Hopefully there'll be a good crowd to watch uh, the game on Sunday. And it'll be an interesting result. Sutherland won their first game, Brewer Rangers lost their first game, so it'll be interesting to see what the result is this weekend. And like we were saying earlier, women's football is growing all the time. There's new teams popping up all over the place. Great to see. Yeah, it is fantastic to see. I think there's nine teams in the Highlands and Islands League. There was talk that there could have been 11. Uh, next season, there might be 11. You know, Ross County might not be far away from uh, bringing back a women's team to enter the division. They might have designs on trying to get into the national setup. I don't know. But, you know, it's, it's great to see that uh, so many women's teams playing in the Highlands and Islands. Because I remember working in Caithness, uh, they only played one game a year before the league was formed in the Scottish Cup. So it's great that they've got these opportunities. 
yeah, it's absolutely fantastic to see. In that case, then, I think it's time I wrap things up. But don't turn off the episode just yet because I've got something different to add to the rundown this week as well. Of course, there is the usual go and listen to the other Highland News and Media podcasts. There's Active Outdoors and Health and Lift Nest, which has just finished its first season. There's 11 episodes. There are plenty for you to go and catch up on. They're having a mid-season break. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, thought, I thought you were shaking your head because I'd done something wrong. Yes, they are. They're, they're taking a wee pause. They're having a summer break. <laughs> I Take it up with them, Will. You know, we're like Coronation Street. We never end. Or a weekly episodic podcast that will never go away. (laughs) And just like us never going away on the podcast sphere, I don't know where I was going with that, we've also got a brand spanking new fantasy football league starting up. It's a little bit more rare that you see fantasy football in Scotland than England, but there is a really good app that I found and was using last year. I believe Will was as well, called Fantasy Football Scotland. We are starting up a Balls and Whistles League. The details are on our social media, so go and check them out. We'll put up regular reminders throughout the next few weeks to join the league, put up what the code is, all that sort of stuff. Will, who do you think is going to come out on top, you or me? I completely forgot about it, to be honest. (laughs) Well, I've asked you the question now. Who's going to come out on top, you or me? Because people can compete with us and show that they know more than us. So this is going to be very embarrassing. There's no doubt about they know more than us. Depends. Is it a cash prize? I don't have one at the minute. It's maybe something we can look into. Okay, we've looked into it. There's no cash prize. Oh, well, there um, That's the official word. Um, I don't know. The thing is, if you don't pick Morelos, you're not going to win. <laughs> You know, that's the thing about fantasy football. You've got to pick your top scorer in Scotland. Um, I, I know what? I'm not sure I had Morales last season at all. If I did, it was only for a couple of weeks. And I won all of my private leagues. How many people were in them? I found there was like four or five in each of them. But I still, you know, it, it's still something. And granted, some people for, totally forgot about it after week one. But I'm still claiming that as a win. I joined the Northern Scott Fantasy Football League and came last. So. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. And I'm very offended at anybody that's listening from the Northern Scott. Why wasn't I asked to join this league? I didn't know this was happening. I'm not amused. Come on, guys. Blame Daniel Forsyth. Well, I am now. Okay. So I'm tempted to say that we're not going to let Daniel come into the Balls and Whistles League. But if I put it up publicly, he's just going to join anyway. So that's not going to work. I need to think of some other punishment for him. Well, I need to get him on the podcast, actually. He's a photographer over at the Northern Scott, and he goes to a lot of football matches. We need to get him on at some point, and then I can just totally eviscerate him. It's going to be great. I've no answer to your question. Yeah, who is going to win between you and me, Will? Me. I'm Jew. You're Jew. <laughs> Well, if you came last in the Northern Scotland last year, then maybe you are actually due, and it was beginner's luck for me. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, like I say, all the details for that are going to be on our social media. We'll put up a couple of posts over the next few while just to remind people that it's a thing, how you can join. You've got a couple of weeks before the first league game, so make sure you get involved with that. And the reason I say that now is because I'm not going to be in the next couple of episodes of Balls and Whistles because I'm back off an annual lead for a bit. So, well, it's going to be up to you to really push this and make sure people join as well. I'll do the bare minimum. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? I'll give it a, I'll give it a passing mention, but apart from that, that's, that's all people are getting. <laughs> this is your chance. Yeah, if you ever you've listened to this podcast and thought that we're talking a load of rubbish about Cali Thistle or Ross County, this is your chance to prove yourselves right and beat us in fantasy football for the Scottish Premiership. 
On that bombshell, and yes, I realise I'm stealing a phrase, I don't think I have anything else left to say. So I'll be back in a few weeks' time. Will will be back in some form or another next week. We've got the Highland League starting up, so that's something to look forward to. In the meantime, have a good week, and thank you for listening. I might wear a tie. <laughs>